Welcome to the RidgeCast, a tool created to have conversations about topics we can't always cover on a Sunday. Our desire is for you to become equipped to follow Jesus and be mobilized to pursue His kingdom. We hope today's dialogue takes you one step further in your discipleship journey. Now here is this week's episode. Hey everybody, welcome back to the RidgeCast. My name's David, I'm the pastor of discipleship here and the host of the RidgeCast, at least I am for today. And I'm really excited for this episode uh, that we've got for you guys today. Um, I've got uh, here to my right, a repeat offender on the podcast. Uh, welcome back. Yes, uh, Mark is my name. And just so you know, in case you listened to the last podcast, my my wasps thing is fully healed. I've recovered. <laughs> I'm so sure so many people tuned in yeah. today because they were like, like, and I was wondering, how's Mark doing? How is it? Is he alive? Did he make it? <laughs> I survived. I'm okay. I don't even feel it anymore. I wasn't sure you were going to make it. Uh, and then we have a newcomer uh, to the podcast over here to my left. Yep. Uh, my name is Megan. I'm Mark's wife and yeah. it's my first time. Welcome to the podcast. How are you feeling about it, Megan? You know, I always start off a little nervous, but I think it'll be great. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. You don't look nervous at all. <laughs> you look so comfortable and very pretty. Well, thank you. Wow. Mark's nervous every time. Every time. <laughs> I don't stop being nervous. That's why he always brings up his wasp thing. Right. It's like a <laughs> self-defense thing. Yeah. <laughs> Man, well, speaking of uh, self-defense and uh, odd reactions, today we're talking about something that um, really everybody has to deal with. You can't make it through life uh, without it. And it's something that often we're very bad at. And when we see it coming, we run the opposite direction normally as fast as we can. Right. Uh, or if we don't do that, um, we go in with a full head of steam um, and just winds up blowing up and making everything worse. So we're talking about everyone's favorite topic, conflict resolution. Uh, and how do we deal with conflict and how do we have conversation about conflict? So, uh, just so you guys know, uh, dear listeners that when we were um, brainstorming ideas and we, we were talking about, man, we want to do an episode on conflict resolution. Mark was, was all about it. He was quick to jump to the opportunity. I was like, Oh, I need to learn how to do this. Let me talk about it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So why are you guys, uh, Wanting to talk, maybe not wanting to talk about it, the wrong way to say it. Um, what makes you excited or impassioned about something that so many people, like I said, are trying to get away from or avoid at all costs? Yeah, I mean, I, I think we were in the same boat where we wanted to get away from it, avoid it at all costs. Uh, we kind of hoped um, when we got married that our relationship would be so perfect and we would be so compatible that we would never have conflict. Um, and that just was a... a it didn't, didn't work. happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> didn't work out that way. And so um, early in our marriage, about five years in, we realized we're not going to stay married if we don't figure out conflict resolution. Um, yeah. And and so it became a really huge passion for us to figure out just how to get along to stay married, um, right. how to be able to have conflict resolution. And then something really crazy came out of it. Um, everything I learned with Mark, with my husband, um, then started bleeding into all areas of my life. Um, and conflict resolution skills just made everything better. It made me more free as a human being. Um, and it just helped me to thrive in all kinds of places. It set me free from some insecurities and, um, loneliness and all kinds of things that you don't realize that, um, the difficulty we have getting along with humans actually 
causes in our life. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, if I were to say it really, um, simply, I would say that humans are one of the most, you know, profound things in the world that you can interact with. And they are also like profoundly harmful. (laughs) And so that's like a tension that is really hard because we both, um, love and bless each other and just destroy each other if we're not careful. So I'm extremely passionate about constantly learning myself more about how to, um, not bite and devour each other. Um, and also how to kind of set other people free with anything I learned that helped me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm really passionate, you know, Megan and I both are passionate about it and and for much of the, the same reasons, as far as like what got us going in that direction. Um, but something that really sticks out to me is that I've talked to people about conflict resolution. And and when, sometimes when you say conflict resolution, that's like a a counseling psychology kind of way of saying it. And people who are serious about the Bible oftentimes will, will think that we should avoid something like that. Yeah. It feels kind of like HRE. Yeah. You like, know, like I'm going to go through an HR presentation at work on how to exactly. and get so, along with my coworkers. So if, if someone's got some advice on conflict, conflict resolution, then I'm going to say, well, you know what? I'm, I'd rather stick to what the Bible has to say. But here's, but the thing is, is anything that is useful in, in what maybe modern counseling or psychology um, has, has found, anything that's useful there was already there in the Bible. And so I'm really passionate about drawing those connections. Actually, in the Bible, there's a place in First Corinthians chapter six where Paul says, "He says, I say this to your shame." He's dealing with some people that are having lawsuits um, amongst each other, and he says, I, do, "I say this to your shame. Can it be there's no one among you wise enough to settle disputes between the brothers?" So it seems like the Bible, Paul is is putting out there that that this this should, it should not be that no one knows how to figure out how to resolve conflict amongst each other, um, and. In, in that passage, actually, we see a couple things. We see that, that Paul thinks that we, we should be people who are growing in the ability to help each other resolve our conflict. And also, we, we need to, to be willing to tell people in the church about our conflict so someone can help us. And I think that we all fall in both those categories. I mean, probably early on before we have much experience here really successfully navigating um, disputes, I think we're probably more the people that need to go to someone else and say, hey, can you help me? Can you help us resolve this? My, my wife and I, we just can't, you know, figure out this problem. Um, but as, as we learn and grow, like, like Megan's saying, um, we, can, we can start to help each other with it. So I just think, I think it's so important. I think the Bible says we need to do it. I'm really passionate about showing people how the Bible has been saying some really useful stuff in resolving conflict. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, I mean, I know we can't get into every single um, right. probably conflict or issue that even someone listening to this right now could be going through because there's a million different factors and variables that goes into every different conflict. But if we were going to talk about maybe just a, a crash, cor- crash course, so to say, or just some um, principles or just some good baseline things to, to remember or foundation to work from, um, where would you guys say to start uh, when it comes to the conflict? Does it matter who you're in a conflict with is, you know, is it all apply of like, if I'm having a conflict with my spouse, is it the same as if I have conflict with my children or a family yeah. member or a coworker or a friend, or maybe just someone that, I don't know, cut me off in the Ingalls parking lot or something <laughs> like that? Yeah, I do think, I, I think that g- generally speaking, um, I mean, uh, the closer you are to someone, the more likely you'll, you'll have conflict with them um, because we, 
we all have things that are not right in us. We all have, you know, there's, there's part like selfishness in us. That's not been worked out yet. There's, there's just people end up hurting people and the closer we get to each other. Um, so generally speaking, um, you know, in, in your house, you know, like with your, with your spouse, that's going to be the place where you're probably going to have the most conflict. Yeah. Somebody in Ingalls, um, that, that you don't know, you've never met cuts you off. It's probably, you probably don't need conflict resolution skills in that moment as much as just self-management skills. <laughs> like how can I not be so upset that I make this worse? Um, but I don't know. What do you think, Megan? Yeah. Well, I think a big part of conflict resolution is self-management skills. Right. Um, and so I think that a lo- what a lot of people get wrong in conflict resolution, what I get wrong all the time in conflict resolution is um, the difference between what I would say is self-control and other control. Um, and self-control is when I control myself and other control is when I try to control the other person. Um, and so I think like, even when it comes to conflict resolution with someone cutting you off, you see really bad conflict resolution skills when people try to control the other car and keep them from cutting you off when it's sort of like, or show them you'll, you, they'll never do that to me again. Right. Because I'm going to whatever. Instead of trying to control yourself. So I think when you ask the question of how does it vary with different people, I think it has to do with um, the ways you control yourself depending on other people. So like with someone like Mark that I have a very um, healthy relationship with, I know that I can make requests of him and that he cares about my needs. So sometimes um, like if if I'm having a headache, I might say to him, can we be a little quieter? I have a headache and that's, that could be a way to handle conflict. I can make a request of him. If he was someone that was um, not going to be as interested in my needs, then I might just need to leave the room. But either way I'm controlling myself, right? Like if I say, can we be quieter? I'm making a request. I'm, I'm voicing uh, the secrets inside of me that he can't know unless I tell them. So that's like a self-control thing. And then he has the response and the freedom to respond back. Um, But I think that has a lot to do with, for me, navigating um, conflict with different people is partly figuring out how responsive are they? Because there are people that, um, and and this is a tricky aspect of it, there are people who, uh, if you go to them and you say, hey, this really bothered me, and they don't really care, sometimes it's better to just control yourself, try to uh, not be so easily offended or, you know, do, make different changes in yourself. Um, but then on the other hand, when you have someone you have a very close relationship with, sometimes we try to just say, uh, don't be easily offended, deal with it on myself when we have the relational aspect and our intimacy will grow through that communication. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, the goal the goal on in an intimate relationship, I think, is for us to be able to communicate to each other our needs and then to show each other respect and, yeah. be, and, and make adjustments based on that communication. Yeah. So, I, so I guess that's how I'm saying, I think that's one of the ways it varies is on the spectrum of how much do I, um, ask the other person to collaborate in the conflict resolution it has to do with our relationship and right. how much I trust that person versus if you have a relationship with someone where you've lost a lot of trust and you can't depend on them to collaborate, you can still have conflict resolution, you know, like as much as it is up to me, live at peace with everyone that verse, um, you can do it through mostly just self-control, uh, conflict resolution. Right. So what I'm hearing though is when it comes to resolving, um, a disagreement or a conflict really kind of maybe the first step is, okay, wait, well, what can I do? Right. Just myself. I have to look at myself first, not, you know, what, what, how can I kind of stock up weapons to go after the other person. Right. It's right. How, how can I 
begin to examine how am I reacting uh, in this situation and what are some things that I can do. Yeah. Right. Versus just straight on return fire. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, that, that really in my, and I think our opinion, both of our opinions is, is that, uh, good conflict resolution starts with me identifying the things that I think that are wrong, all the, the lies that I believe, the, the, the misconceptions that I hold on to. That's where it's going to start. It's not going to start with fixing you. It's not going to start with fixing because that's like you're saying, that's the, that's the first thing we go to in a conflict. I think that you've misunderstood me. And so I need to correct your misunderstanding. But most of the time in the conflict, there is a misunderstanding inside of me that's making it. So I contribute to these, these, the, this conflict in a way that doesn't help. And one of the, one of the problems I think that we have is that we have a fear of conflict in general because we misunderstand what conflict is. So, so one of the things that Megan and I were, were, were just talking about the fact that so often in, you know, and we talk to married couples um, sometimes and, and married couples will, there's this tendency to, to, to think either my, our relationship is good or it's bad. And we either have a good dating couples or, and all yeah. kinds of relationships. You know, we're always trying to judge our relationships. Like, is this a good friend or, or is, is this a, yeah. a friend I need to let go of? We're like we live in a culture where it's all about like cutting out all the toxic people. And, and so right. there's this sort of fear of, um, labeling relationships you want to keep as, Oh no, is this a bad relationship? Is this a toxic relationship? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really we just think that that's an unhelpful question. And, and the better question is, is, is this a relationship that's growing or dying? Because I don't think that you're going to have relationships that are just good or bad. And I think that, I think that that just doesn't really help you identify what's going on in the relationship. Is the relationship growing or dying? Because here, here's the thing, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have pain um, in good relationships, you know, and there's, there's actually a principle that, that Jesus talks about um, when it's, when it comes to either growing or dying. He actually says in, in John, John 15, he says that every, he, he says that he's the vine and that every uh, branch that is not bearing fruit, the father cuts off and throws away. And every branch that does bear fruit will get pruned so it can bear more fruit. And so there's, there's a cutting in either of those scenarios. And so in our relationship, I mean, I think the principle applies that if a relationship is, is dying, it's going to be painful. There's going to be some painful stuff going on, but if a relationship is thriving, there will be painful stuff going on too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But that just sounds like so harsh though, you know, where you're like, man, there's a, a, like a dying relationship and I'm just, you know, supposed to you know, literally prune means to cut away, cut cut away a branch. Like, should I just cut people out uh, of my life? Like, is that kind of what we're talking about or is this? No, I think, I think what um, we're trying to say is that if something is dying, um, there is a, um, there's a pain involved. So like when you have a really unhealthy relationship and, and there's a lot of um, unhealthy conflict in it, sometimes we lump healthy conflict and put them all together Mm. because both conflicts hurt. So like the kind of conflicts are painful or they're not, they're not fun. Yeah. Um, and and so I think the idea is that there's conflict, um, that you work through and you grow through. That's not bad. It is the process of growing your relationship. And then there's stagnant conflict where your relationship is slowly, um, eroding, unless you make changes and, and, it's and getting start worse. fixing them. But here's the thing, under, underneath all of this, 
So like I said, we're bringing up a principle that, that, that there's going to be some pain e- either way. But the idea is that, that conflict is an opportunity to strengthen your relationship. Right. Conflict is an opportunity to strengthen your relationship. And we see it as something that reveals that it's fragile or that we need to avoid so it doesn't make it more fragile. Because I think a lot of times we don't know how we have a lot of bad strategies for dealing with conflict. And, and sometimes the way we engage with conflict does make it more fragile because we hurt each other and then we, then we lose trust. And so if there's a fragility that starts to build, but, but conflict is a way is I think one of the ways to build strength in your relationship. Because I mean, when you think about it, just, I mean, we know this, if you want to, if you want to pick up something heavier than you can pick up now, you got to pick up stuff that's too hard to pick up. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you want your muscles to, to grow, you, you have the capacity. I have the capacity within me to be able to pick up something heavier than I can right now but I have to do things that are too hard for me to do. Mm. You know what I mean? And so in, in relationships, I think the same principle applies. We have to move in. Like when we see like David, you and me, we haven't had much conflict in our relationship. I've known you for about a year and, and it feels great that we don't have a whole lot of conflict, but when we have a conflict, when we have a disagreement, we have an opportunity to get closer, to actually be closer friends, to have a deeper level of intimacy, or we have an opportunity kind of pull away and for us to say, Oh, I don't, maybe we're not quite as close as. Yeah. I've heard it said that conflict is our constant opportunity for discipleship. That was how I've heard it phrased before amongst believers, because if there's a, if there's a conflict between us, there's an opportunity for us to be honest and vulnerable and then probably work through some of uh, the ways that sin is flushing itself out uh, in our life in particular, particularly in our relationship. I want to, I want to go back to something Megan, you just said a second ago, cause I thought it was so good. And I, I want to understand more about it as you were talking about there's, there's healthy conflict. And then I think you didn't say it, but I think offhandedly what you're saying is there's also unhealthy conflict. Like right. if there's healthy conflict, there's unhealthy conflict. Right. And then you talked about how sometimes we, we lump all those things together. And right. for, for me, that was very illuminating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, I had an example that came to mind while Mark was talking. Um, you know, sometimes in a relationship you had talked earlier about how there's people like to run away from arguments and there's people that like to bang into them, you know, and those people usually marry each other. <laughs> and there's, there's, uh, I read an article one time when Mark and I were first married and they called it the turtle in the hair and, um, the turtle hides in its shell and the hair just thumps on the turtle the whole time he's hiding, you know? Um, and, uh, and with us, I was the hair and he was the turtle, um, and it's still that way. So, um, in the beginning of our relationship, the way that we would have conflict was unhealthy. Um, and, and, and it was harming our relationship. Um, right. He would hide and I would chase him in increasingly more attention seeking ways um, to be like, let's fix this relationship. Let's fix this relationship. And he's hiding to fix it. Cause he's like, you're destroying the relationship, you know? Um, and so it just, we weren't getting each other at all. So that was an unhealthy relationship that her, dynamic in that moment that hurt because we were hurting. We were harming our relationship. But when we decided to start making new behaviors, there was a pain in the new behaviors that was more like pruning our relationships. One of them was, um, Mark would do something called a safe exit, which is, um, he needed his space. So before he goes into his shell, um, he would say this conflict is, um, getting a little out of control. So I'm going to take a break because I love us and I want to protect our relationship and we will come back to this later. And so it's a safe exit because he's letting me know he's not leaving because he's done with me or because he doesn't care about our relationship or anything. He's leaving because he wants to protect our relationship. And then I had to insert um, a lot of strategies on to manage my emotions, calm myself down, um, 
figure out how to explain myself uh, a little bit more rationally and succinctly. Um, you know, that's the thing is like with with, with this. Is <laughs> <laughs> Notice how that came in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I didn't mean it to be that way. <laughs> well. Let me say what I was going to say before, yeah. I, before I start a conflict. Um, <laughs> but uh, the thing is, what I used, to, what I, what I would do before is, I would feel overwhelmed by the conflict. I would feel flooded in, with emotion. I wouldn't know what to say. I would feel confused. I would, I would know, and I would know very well that if I say anything right now, I'm going to say something I regret. I don't want to do that, so I just shut down. And and. What I needed was I needed some time to collect myself. I needed some time to calm down, to think about, okay, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? Do I have good reasons to feel this? Am I making assumptions? You know, I, I need to do some of that, that work in my head for myself to manage myself, to be able to have this conversation well, but I couldn't do it in the moment. So I needed to get away. But what I would do is I would, I would just shut down and I would leave and I would just say, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. I would just, just and, and, and she, what she would hear or she, what she would be afraid she's hearing is, I don't care about you. I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm, or this I'm, is too hard. This is our relationship is too hard. I give up. I don't want to. I don't want to put up with you. Those would be the kind of things that she would think I was. I was communicating when I would leave, and I needed to leave for us. So I needed to tell her I need to leave for us. Right. I need to step away to calm down because my emotions are too high. It seems like your emotions are a little high too. And it it sounds like we're, you know, we're not getting anywhere in this conversation. And I think I need to figure out why I need to figure out why I'm not able to get anywhere in this conversation. But the, but the key is communication. Hey, I love you. My goal is for us to have this conversation later, deal with the problem. We're not ignoring the problem. We're dealing with this problem and we're going to deal with it later, but I need to, I need to step away for a minute. And, And we would call that a safe exit. Yeah. So that's a strategy that, that would, that would help us. The other, the, the strategy of just walking away, that, that would be harmful because then it would, it would start to erode trust. She would start to feel, she would feel rejected by me. And the more often I did that, the more rejected she would feel and the less secure she would feel in our relationship. And so, um, there, there were just, there would be more conflicts that would arise and, and they would just build on top of each other. And, and at a certain point, that's why relationships end up just completely dying. Right. They end up completely dying because we don't know how to handle them in a way we have an opportunity and we just don't take, we don't seize it the way that Jesus would want us to. Yeah. And I do think a big part of it is being afraid of the, of the conflict, being afraid of what it means, being afraid, like, does it mean I'm unlovable? Is there something fundamentally flawed about me if I don't do everything correct in, right. in an argument or in our day-to-day life? Um, you know, so there, there's a lot of like, getting through all of the fears and not being afraid of it. So you can move to that next part of self-control because you really can't, it's really hard. Self-control is a rational decision. Mm -hmm. So you can't do it while you're still in that flooded, emotional, irrational place. Right. Um, And so I think that's a, a big part of figuring out how do we manage our emotions, bring ourselves back down. So we're not so afraid. We're not so triggered by this disagreement. Like arguing with a coworker doesn't mean that you're going to lose your job or, you know, arguing with a friend doesn't mean that you're not invited to anything anymore. Like you have to kind of just work through, like these are normal human things. There is no perfect person that anyone can find that you never argue with if you get close. Um, And then you can move into that second part of, Self-control, which has a lot to do with accepting my part and being curious about the other person's right. part. One thing I keep picking up on, I've just really heard both of you guys say, is kind of um, when it comes to reacting to situations or reacting to words is about not 
um, acting too much on presumptions on what you think the other person means or not assuming the other person can uh, read your mind or know, you know, what you're trying to communicate through nonverbal communication or what you're trying to communicate by not communicating. Right. Uh, Yeah. That's, I mean, so that, that is huge. That is absolutely huge. Cause you're, you'll hear, you hear people say this all the time. I know why they did that. Well, it seems counterintuitive, right? You know, like, of course, like we're saying, you're talking about like, of course someone can't read my mind yet. We do it. We do it all the time. All the time. Oh, sure. And you know what? I just want to say to all of you who who believe in the Bible, who think that the Bible is is the word of God, it's your authority in your life. The in First Corinthians chapter two, verse eleven, it says, "No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit." So let's just settle it right there. The Bible says you can't know why they did it. If you say, "You know what? I know why they did that," it's because I know exactly what they were thinking. You don't know. Right. You do not know. And just from my own experience, let me speak from my, if you don't believe the Bible, let me just tell you, I've been married to Megan for 20 years. Still to this very day, she'll tell me things. And then I'll repeat back. Is that, is this what you were saying? And she'll say, no, that's not what I meant at all. She will say it verbatim. 5% of the time. I mean, and I get it wrong. So we just have an incredible capacity to misunderstand things. Maybe, maybe we could just live like that's true. Live like we know that's true because assumptions hurt us so often. You know, I've heard it, um, I've heard this called the, the path to action. So essentially you hear or see all of us, we hear or see something that takes place. Someone, you know, drops something on the floor or they look at you in a certain way or they, 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 their brow furrows. They, they whisper something to somebody nearby. You see something like that. You've instantly have an interpretation of those events. Your brain, your brain needs to do this. You need to interpret events like subconsciously all the time. Otherwise it would take you too long to do things, but your brain is constantly interpreting events all around you all the time. But the problem is, is that sometimes you interpret it wrong. And when you have an interpretation in your head, that's upsetting. You'll have an, you'll have an emotion that goes along with that immediately. And that emotion is the fuel for your behavior. Right. So what we need to do is in these situations, we need to identify that there, there is an interpretation that happens subconsciously. I don't know that I've told myself a story about what all that stuff means, but I have. And if I feel really angry, I, that's my cue. That's my clue. Okay, the anger is a way for me to identify that I have told myself a story that I, I need to think about. What, what is this thing? What am I so upset about? Why am I so angry right now? And that, that's the thing. When, when I would make the safe exit, that's what I need to be doing. What I need to be doing is I need to say, what, what am I feeling? I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling embarrassed. I'm feeling sad. Why would I be feeling that? Okay, it's because of this. It's because I think this. Are there facts there <laughs> or are there assumptions there? Are there things that I know for sure that she meant? Because sometimes Megan will say something to me and I'll just think to myself, I can't believe that you think that about me. And what I've heard is she says, she says, why did you leave the fridge door open? And I say, I'm th- what I'm thinking, she said, is why are you such an idiot? <laughs> and I'm like, don't you know how to close the door on a fridge? <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? Like, why are you like one of the kids just leaving the fridge door open? And you know, she didn't say, why are you such an idiot? You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a, probably a bad example. But, but the idea is that we have interpretations all the time. And they're not all right. And we trust them. And we have to time we don't even know we're having them. Yeah. Yeah. I have a good example of that. Just in that same vein of the, the person who hides and the person who fights. Um, when before we had figured out how to communicate well about that, we both misunderstood each other completely on it. Um, you know, Mark would think if you really respected me, you would never 
talk to me this way in an argument. And I thought if you really cared about our relationship, you would fight for it. And so we both saw rejection in the way that we argued. And when we got curious about each other's perspectives and also were able to own and communicate our own, then I could say, I feel like I'm losing my mind when we're fighting. You mean so much to me. I got to figure out what it, what do we have to do to make this right? I mean, I'll say anything. I'll do anything. I mean, even be mad, even get big, you know, like do anything for us to, to figure it out. And then, and then he could say, man, and I love you so much that I'm going to be so careful not to say anything that you'd have to like, try to forget and forgive me of. So I'm going to just shut down. And then we begin to understand these perspectives and realize, wow, we're not rejecting each other. We're showing each other um, uh, how much, how important each other is in very different ways, you know? Um, and, and so then we learned how to tweak those ways through that communication because then it becomes clear that he knows I need him to show up and it becomes clear that he needs me to... Um, work more at being kind and respectful and in control in a conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, the, the assumptions really hurt the, right. the conflict. Mm. So what are some strategies that we can move towards? Uh, like you said, you're talking about being mm-hmm. curious. And yeah. I think that that is definitely helpful when it comes to combating assumptions because Mark, you kind of already gestured towards it is, is how do we, you know, get past assumptions is what we have to look at the facts of what's being said. And then, um, we have to ask for clarification. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I I would put strategies, um, generally speaking in two categories There's self-management strategies and there's actual communication strategies. Mm -hmm. So when we talk to each other, they're strategies, right? But before we talk to each other, we definitely need to, to get good at managing ourselves. And like Megan said, we can't manage someone else. We have to manage ourselves. Um, and so a couple, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them, but a couple would just be recognize if you're, if you're flooded with emotion, flooded is, is just a, a term that means that you're, you're overwhelmed with emotion. You're just full of emotion. You're flooded with emotion because here's the thing. Um, what, what they, what they seem to, to know about our brain is that there's like these three different parts of our brain and the part of your brain that is like danger response zone, that's high alert, you know, fight or flight, you can't be operating in that part of your brain and thinking rationally at the same time. So if, if you are really, really heated, mm-hmm. that needs to be a clue for you. Hey, you know what? I think I need to take a break and I think I need to do some self-managing <laughs> before I, I keep moving, but don't take a break to leave forever. Take a break, take a break to manage yourself and, and, and Breathing actually is surprisingly helpful because when you get stressed out, your breathing gets shallow and then less oxygen gets to your brain. You can take some breaths and then also try to put your emotions just to yourself into words because right. the part of your brain that feels emotion is, does not have language. And that's a way, a, a way to slowly move yourself into, let's think about this rationally. Right. Let's think about the facts as opposed to, you know, just I'm, I'm, I have an interpretation, I have some ideas and then it moved me into my emotional brain and that's kind of taken over. I need to get back into those ideas and assumptions and deal with them on the basis of truth or lies. Mm -hmm. But I can't do that until I start, you know, calming myself down a little bit. So that's one. Yeah. And I, I think a big thing too is, um, you're the only one who can 
share the secrets inside of you. So you right. have to discover them because a lot of times we don't even know what's going on. We're like a two-year-old that just feels big emotions and doesn't know what they are. Right. And we want whoever we're in an argument with to figure it out. You know, we want them to have the same experience as us so they can just guess what we're feeling. But mm -hmm. unfortunately we're all diverse. We all experience things differently and have different feelings about the things that happen to us. So we have to take responsibility for what's going on inside of us so that we can actually discover it, put it into language, share it with the other person. Right. Um, that's what's going to clear up a lot of miscommunication, misunderstanding, and help us um, to understand each other. But that's like a part you have to do by, you have to do yourself. Um, yeah. And that can be kind of hard. Um, there's a lot of feeling charts and things like that that you can find online that will help give a wide array of feelings to help you kind of just name a feeling. I always, I'm, I'm terrible at it. Um, I always want to name like an actual event. Like I feel like you aren't being respectful or, you know what I mean? Like I feel like you're yelling or something like instead of saying, um, you know, I, I feel sad. Yeah. Or um, I, I feel frustrated or I, just, I, I'm really not good at it. I feel rejected. That's the thing. I, when we first started trying it, sometimes I'd say, I feel like you're being a jerk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, that's, that's actually not, not a feeling. Right. That's other control. That's other control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that's actually a really helpful thing that Megan brings up that in, in our, and this is just the way we talk. It's not a, it's not a big deal, but it can be, um, it can be, it can make it more confusing because your thoughts are not your feelings but they are intimately connected. Your thoughts will always, just about always evoke an emotion. And so, right. um, so, so we, we say things like, I feel like going to the beach, but it's like, I, I want to go to the beach. I think that going to the beach, I think about things, you know, going to the beach and it gives me, it makes me happy. It makes me happy to, to think about that. So there's like happiness and then going to the beach, right? Those are thoughts and feelings. Right, and most people feel happy about going to the beach. So you think, you say, I feel like going to the beach, but some people feel dread about it. So it's, right. and uh, oftentimes, if you're not good at naming feelings, you try to name a situation because you think people know what feelings go with it. Right. But it doesn't, that's not a very clear way of communicating in conflict. Yeah, it's actually really helpful if you're, if you're trying to get better at this, which I think all of us need to, when, when you're trying to identify what you're feeling maybe look it up like list of emotions, just Google it. What are a list of emotions and try to find the emotion you're feeling? Not, not like what you're thinking, what you're actually, what you're feeling. And then that can try to help you identify the, 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 the thought. And then you can evaluate the thought. Is it right or is it wrong? You know, right. Something else um, when it comes to assumptions, we're going to assume things. It's, it's hard to not assume things. Um, but if you're, if you're going to assume things, try to assume positive intent if you can, because, uh, you know, Jesus, Jesus actually said that, that all the law and the prophets is some, summed up in this do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I know for me personally, and I've heard tons of other people say it too. Like I didn't mean right. to, I wasn't trying to be mean to you. I wasn't trying. I, I didn't intend. So, so maybe we could just be charitable and try our best to assume that that person wasn't trying to be mean, trying to hurt me. Right, choosing trust over suspicion. Right. right, assuming positive intent, choosing trust over suspicion. I mean, that to me, that seems so, that's so biblical. I mean, that's what I want everyone to do for me. Yeah. Every yeah. single time. Even if I had some sort of bad motives, it wasn't all bad, you know? I didn't just want to hurt you. I mean, maybe I was a little, you know. Right. You know what I'm saying? I had some positive. Yeah, I mean, it just makes me think back to the, 
well, this is a good relationship or a bad relationship, you know, right. As, as much as we want life to be very cut and dry, black and white, it right. often is not. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Cause we just, whoever you're in a relationship with, it's a sinner, you know, all yeah. the relationships you have. So there's going to be good and bad in it. That's just, right. that's just the reality we have to accept. But you know, there's a lot of, um, self-awareness type of journaling you can do that, that says, um, I feel, I think, and then I need is the third kind of crucial part of it that um, we don't always clearly think about. But a lot of times in a conflict, we're trying to get what we need. Mm-hmm. And the need is an interesting spot we get tripped a lot in because there is a difference between the base desire, like I need to feel loved, and the strategies I need you to spend 95% of your time with me, (laughs) you know? Um, And so sometimes the strategies that we try to force um, aren't the only options and they aren't the best options and our need could still be met in a different way. So that's a really um, crucial, I think. Yeah, distinction. uh, Part of conflict resolution is separate the, um, try to get as base need as possible um, so that you can get really creative and collaborative on finding a solution that you both feel good about because um, that's another thing that goes wrong a lot in conflict resolution is there's usually a dominant personality within usually two people come together, you know, like a boss and a coworker or a friend, friend or, or however, and one person's a bit more dominant. Right. And then that person's needs can bulldoze the other person's needs. Cause they're more vocal. Cause they're just, it's just their personality. Yeah. And, um, or maybe one person is just more compliant because right. of various reasons, but, um, it, there needs to be a, a, when you're thinking about strategies and solutions, it needs, both needs need to matter. Right. Like, like if, if Megan and I are, are, are going to drive to downtown, she likes to go the back road and I like to go the other way the, the four lane because it's a little it feels fa- it seems faster to me and the thing is we both want to go to blue ridge downtown blue ridge but i've got a different way to get there and she's got a different way to get there and if and if we're fighting about the way to get there it's like we could back up and say you know what? we both want to go to the same place right <laughs> we actually both want to go to the same place yeah. is it worth fighting about how we get there right and sometimes it is sometimes that there's like needs based around those things too right. and then you can come up with you know, half the time will go your way, half the time will go my way. So we both kind of, you know, there's there's a lot of different solutions you come up with. Right. But um, yeah, and asking if, questions, if you don't let both people's needs on the table. You don't even know what you're supposed to be building. You know, right. you need all of it on the table to figure out. A, a good example too would be um, a lot of times you have someone who's very impulsive that um, that that pairs up with someone who's more um, structured. And then you have to decide um, how do we work together when I need to be free to be impulsive sometimes and you need to be uh, free to be um, structured to feel good about how your week is going. Um, and, and those needs both need to matter. Sometimes we try to prove that our way is the better way and we don't want to respect the other person's way when really um, the best solutions are going to come from both people feeling right. Try to, to force or maybe even manipulate your way into the other person working through your configuration. Right. And, and the way that you do it naturally is the best way to you. That's why you choose it. Right. But it doesn't mean that, um, that, that it needs to be the best way for someone else. Right. So, yeah. And when it comes to identifying needs, this is like, this is a helpful 
conversational strategy when, when we've when we've gone, done some self management and we move into how do we have this how do we resolve this conflict? If I can move into it, asking for your perspective, saying, "Hey, can you tell tell me what what's going on? Like, what 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 really upset you? What is the thing that you need here?" And then instead of what what we tend to do is Megan will say she'll give me a response, and then I'll respond back with my you know either def- sometimes defensiveness or it'll be like, well, you, you didn't really, that's not what I was intending, you know? But the first thing I think I need to do is make sure I understand it. You know, James says be, we, we need to be slow to speak and quick to listen. And, and so I think, I think that a really helpful practice is getting the other person's perspective and then trying to paraphrase it, say it back to them. Is this, I just want to make sure I don't misunderstand because I really, I, I, I want to show you that I value you, I value your perspective. I want to get it. I know I can misunderstand things. Is this what you meant? Right. And then they can say, oh, actually, no, it's kind of more like this or yes, that's exactly what I meant. <laughs> and then we can deal with it. And then I, then I might be able to have an opportunity to say, okay, you know what? I, I get that. I get that. I would not like that either. I didn't mean to do this. You know, I, there's a, there, there can be a place for that. There can be a place for correcting misunderstandings, right. but when we rush into it before we've understood the other person, um, you just, it, it's just hard to, it's, nobody's feeling heard. Right. Yeah. I always think of it as like when you're doing your math problem homework and your teachers are trying to teach you like not to skip over, you know, the problem and solve because they like throw in all kinds of weird sentences in there, you right. know, it's like, you have to understand the problem before you solve it. Yeah. So. Right. Well, with just a few minutes left here, uh, I think it would be great. Um, maybe you guys just tell us about your last conflict. <laughs> actually <laughs> just this morning yeah it was it was one of our better ones we i think we handled it really well one of the key you strategies that i practiced today was one i've been working on a lot um i have a tendency to think um i can let that go you know it bothers me but not that much so i'll let it go and that sounds right in theory but um i actually don't let it go i don't know how to let it go cuz it did bother me what i did was i just i guess sort of put it away somewhere <laughs> and then later something else bothers me and something else bothers me and something else bothers me and then about the fifth thing and they you know they start to like collect a theme it's like the thing gets sticky and if i think that was um you know a little unkind well then all these other little unkind moments stick to it and then before you know it, five things are there and I and go, it's a, it's one uh, big blah, thing. blah, 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 yeah. you know, right, and all right, of a right. sudden we have an avalanche of problems to sort through and each one has its own intricate details to it. So you can't really solve them like that. Right. Um, so I've been trying instead to um, be really aware. Can I let this go or will this one stick? Um, and if I can't let it, if I think it's going to stick, well, the good news is if I think to myself first that I can let it go, that means I'm kind of calm about it. And so it's a really good place to just resolve it because I'm actually calm about it. It did bother me, but I'm not like red and hot, you know? Um, and so then I'm able to bring it to him and we're able to talk about it. But right. yeah, this morning it had to do with um, a, a, a very common dynamic in relationships is uh, when you're parenting together is that one person remembers that you need to have boundaries and be firm and yeah, be clear, have expectations for your children right. and raise them. Right. Um, and the other person remembers that they need love and fathers don't exasperate your children. That's in the <laughs> Bible. Um, you know, and so, um, right. sometimes that causes a little bit of, you know, attention that balances us. Right. Um, and so that's what we were 
having a disagreement about, I wanted him to be a little bit more encouraging. Yeah. So she brought it up to me and, and what happened to me immediately was defensiveness because here's what I believe about my fault. If something is my fault, then I am terrible and I'm not, I'm not fit to be a father. I'm a bad father. I'm ruining my kids. How could I ever help anyone else do anything right? If I'm just so bad at this, that's what, when I, when I see my fault, that's the idea I get. I tend to believe those kind of things as opposed to recognizing that when I can, when I see my fault, that is the opportunity God's given me to make a difference right. and to make a positive change in the situation. The, my fault is the only place I have freedom to make a change right. anywhere else. I'm helpless. My fault is freedom, but I see my fault as failure as, as something that, that I identify with as, as, a catastrophe. <laughs> um, so that's my natural inclination. I've known this for some time that that's what I should see it as, as freedom, but I still see it as failure. And, and so I saw it as failure in that moment. I felt really bad. I felt, Oh my goodness. I, at first I didn't want to admit it. I, I wanted to, to say, Hey, hold on. We got to have, listen, I didn't do anything wrong here. <laughs> and she calmly communicated to me like, Hey, well, you know, what, what about this? And what about this? And she was able to communicate some facts to me. I saw it. I felt really bad and I needed to take some time. I was able to see it, but I still felt so guilty. But that, and that's another thing. We have a tendency to not realize that, and this is hard to, this is really hard to see. Anger is usually always defending something more vulnerable. Yeah. Almost always your anger is not at the core of what's going on. Your anger is usually protecting embarrassment or sadness or fear, something like that. And for me, it was an embarrassment and sadness and fear. I mean, it was all three of them. Fear that I'm not a good dad, sadness, you know, embarrassment that Megan had seen me be too harsh with our kids. So there was a number of things that were going on inside of me that I, I did need some time to resolve. And actually we had a phone conversation later where she was like, hey, I don't, this isn't quite resolved yet. Let's talk about it. And so I was able to communicate to her kind of what was going on with me and what I thought about it now and, 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 and tell her like, yeah, you know, I think, I, I do. I, I agree with you. I, I see where you're coming from, but I needed some of that time. I yeah. needed time to, to yeah, be able cause to. There's a, there's a train, a chain that kind of can happen with conflict. So there was the initial instance where I thought, mm, I don't really think we should raise our kids like that. I want to, I don't like that. I want to talk about that. Um, and then we agreed. So that conflict is over. Right. But now there's conflict over the conflict because, right. uh, some Did of we the disagree ways, well, yeah, and and some of the ways that um, that he's dealing with his feelings feel a little bit like pulling away from me. Like, right. um, are you mad at me because I told you this? Like, did I do something you didn't like? How can we, you know? And so then there's that will stir up, you know, insecurities inside of me. Like, I don't want to be the person that you don't like that brings up bad things that makes you feel uncomfortable. And so then you have to kind of work through those residuals. But um, one of the big tricks that we learned that makes a really, really big difference, it's um, its probably one of the hardest things to do, <laughs> but um, is bring them up later when you feel like when you're you feel okay. okay. Um, and there's a fear that, oh, we'll ruin that good moment. But that's when you can really clean it up. That's when you can really like, you're so rational, you're so calm, nothing's triggered. Right. Um, and, um, and so- that, that helps because you can get to the point where it's like, it's literally gone and it doesn't have to bother you anymore because right. that's one of our things is like, if it was still bothering us, we wouldn't talk about it. Yeah. So it would be too touchy and sensitive and private. Yeah. So hopefully you guys can all hear us say that we have not mastered conflict. We, we have conflict to this day. Everyone's going to have conflict, I think. And, and we, you know, 
we we still struggle with it. It's it's not like it's something that you just man. It's just this is I'm I'm over it now. What's the next thing I have to figure out how to do? You can get better. I think we can get better at it, but I think it's always going to be there. And it's always going to be something that requires effort. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want to say one more thing about what we said earlier about um, how you you need to be able to ask people when you need help with conflict i would love to just take away the stigma of that um i get it i still feel it if there's ever a conflict we can't resolve and we have to ask someone else for advice it feels threatening it feels scary but um but the the truth of it is is that sometimes um you know it's hard to get out of the emotional um irrationality of a conflict um, and an outside party doesn't always have more wisdom than you. They just have the, They're just the not gift of rationality in right. that moment. Yeah. Perspective. So, yeah, they have perspective. So like, um, you know, like I might be able to look at someone else's relationship and see something because I'm not triggered that when I'm looking in my own relationship, all those like little childhood traumas inside of me or what you know like all those little parts of you that just feel like all those things mark was just saying that he thinks about himself everybody that knows mark well knows he's an exceptional father i told him in the conversation you do so many things right that this is not even gonna matter that much that you might not have done this part right you know but he can't hear that because of his irrationality in the moment um and if we're both irrational who can talk sense into the moment, you know? And so sometimes you just need a third party. It doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're wise, whether or not you have the tools, whether or not you have a good marriage or anything. It has to do with the way your brain responds to um, fight, flight, you know, that old reptile brain that just makes us do stupid things. It's our fleshly sin nature. (laughs) Right, right. Man, well, this has been... uh this has been masterclass worthy for me. I know it's just washing over me right now. I know um, if you guys are listening to this right now, this this could definitely be worthy of a of a re-listen or maybe sit down and and write down some of your takeaways uh, or even just pull out maybe the good old notes app and have Siri record some stuff down for you for a second and go back to it uh, later. But this has been so great um, for me, guys. Thank you guys for being with me, Megan. Thanks yeah, sure. for coming on the podcast. For your first one. Thanks. I thought it was awesome. (laughs) You killed it. (laughs) Killed it. And guys, thanks so much for listening to the Ridgecast. Hey, if there's something you want us to talk about, email us in info at theridge.cc or DM us on social media. We would love it if you slid into our DMs uh, with a question for the Ridgecast. Um, Or you can just talk to me any given Sunday about what you want to hear about. Hey, guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. We're out. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ridgecast. If this episode was helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend. For more information about the Ridge, visit us at theridge.cc or follow us on social media at the Ridge CC. See you next time.